Well, good morning to all of you at Freedom Church Hull. It's such a joy to be bringing you God's word this morning. And greetings from Heather and I here in Clarence, South Africa. We're right up in the Maluti Mountains, about 6,000 feet above sea level, so a lot higher than you. But that means it's a lot colder as well. It's four degrees outside as I bring you this message. And how I wish I could do this in person. And one day I hope that will be the case. Thank you, Josh, for the invitation. And thank you to both you and Jen for your friendship over such a long period of time. And it's such a joy to see what you're all doing together. We've prayed for you on many occasions in different settings and really trust that God would prosper you as a community. This morning, I'm going to be speaking to you out of Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through to verses 31. And while you look for that, I'm going to pray and ask God to bless us this morning. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity to encourage these dear people uh, in Freedom Church. And Lord, how I wish I could be with them in person, stand with them, experience the fellowship that we so enjoy. But we also want to say thank you so much for the privilege of being able to do it in this way. And I pray that as your word is brought, you would give me great accuracy, anointing, truth, and that it would encourage the body to grow and be strengthened and fulfill all you've called her to do. So would you bless me now? Would you open the hearts of all those who will hear and bless us that we can go on to do great things in your name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm going to read to you uh, from this passage. I'll read from the ESV. And it says that um, when uh, Peter and John, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled. Uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Absolutely wonderful, wonderful scripture. And thank you so much for um, asking me to speak on this. Josh, I've truly enjoyed it. I've entitled this message Creating a Culture of the supernatural. 
And one of the things that really stands out in this passage is the environment in which this prayer is prayed. And so I've got three points that I'd like to cover this morning. The first one is to look at the context of the passage. It's so good to understand that and see all that was happening and that brought forth this amazing prayer. <clears throat> Excuse me. Identifying, secondly, identifying our church culture. Because when you start to look at this passage, you start to see that there is an understanding among these early believers. There is a, a culture or a DNA that is present to allow them to pray this prayer and see the things that they saw. And then thirdly, I'm going to conclude with action stations. Let's get on with it. Let's go do it. So those are my three points. So let me begin this morning with... Um, the context of the passage and this context is one that we can relate to in our day as well. The battle rages in the midst of gospel advance and that's the context of this short passage that there is a battle raging and wherever the gospel advances you will find this battle going on. You feel like it's one step forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. But we do know that the kingdom of God is advancing. From the moment of their empowering, they have had incredible impact. This group of people in Acts chapter 4, from the moment they received the Spirit, when tongues of fire came upon them, they preached the word. 3,000 saved. Absolutely amazing. What a day that would have been. What a day just to see Peter, a man who had denied Christ in his weakness, stand up and preach one of the greatest sermons ever preached. And from that moment, these dear friends in Acts chapter 4 become a family, a robust family. They are totally committed to the purposes of God and his kingdom. A taste of heaven has come among them. Equality, respect, acceptance, sharing, sacrificing for one another, reaching out to one another, remembering that what they have is all about Jesus and what he's done. A taste of heaven. That's what they've known. That's what they've known. They've been enjoying it. And it says about the city, there was just great awe when they saw what was happening. The city was just overwhelmed by what Jesus was doing through these simple people. But then opposition, the rulers, the religious rulers, so much at stake, opposition. They try and shut it down. But it's on the back of this opposition that we have the privilege of getting a glimpse into the culture and the nature of the early church. What a response it is. And if we can respond in the same way, if we can build churches that can respond in this way when we're under pressure, when things are not going our way, wow, we've got something very special. In this early church, we see their very character, we see the character of these people, this family of God. In their response, it's on full display. And we could call it their, their character, we could call it their church culture, or we could even say it's the DNA of these early 
believers. Whichever term you'd like to use, I don't mind. But what I'd like to do is understand it and see what it looks like. It's the very thing that made them who they were. So they could respond to this opposition and come out the other side of it, continuing in the purposes of God. <clears throat> Tom Wright, N.T. Wright, he wrote this. He said, today, just as much as it was in the apostles' time, there is an ongoing battle. There is an ongoing battle. That was their experience. And I know I can say to you as Freedom Church, it's your experience and it will be your experience. For us as regions beyond a family around the world, there is a battle on the go. Our prayer times are, are full at the moment of items where we are fighting for situation. We're fighting for lives at the moment. Three of our, our senior leaders' wives are suffering with severe cancer at the moment. We are praying. We are battling. There is a battle on the go. And I can tell you, there's one over my own home church, Dichlebeng, as well. But what if we could emulate the early church? What if we, in the midst of opposition, in the midst of battle, in the longing for breakthrough, if we could be like them? Well, what I'm going to try and do is quickly unpack what I believe their culture was so that it can help you. And I know already it has helped me. I'll be quick, but I want to be honest with you. I have 10 character traits. So I'm going to go through them very quickly. I won't be able to go into great detail. Otherwise, you'll have a long meeting and I'll be in trouble. So I'll be quick with each one. So let's go. Number one, we see the first thing. They <clears throat> just grab my Bible. When they were released, they returned to their friends. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? They return to their friends, not the congregation, not the organization, not the company of believers, not the, uh, the body or anything. They returned to their friends. And I think that is a powerful statement in this context, because in the midst of the battle, in the midst of hardship, what you want more than anything is friendship. You want friends around you. They weren't a, a constituted formal body. They were friends. And it's wonderful. You will know it. I do. That you can go into a situation where you enter a room and it's filled with friends. And immediately you feel, ah, this is just wonderful. We traveled recently to Cape Town and that's where Heather and I come from. It's where our children were born and we have many friends in the city. And it's so wonderful to return there and connect with friends. And you, you feel like you just pick up where you were and you can continue. That's what this was like. In John 15, 15, Jesus said to his disciples, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. I have called you friends. Friends of God. I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. 
And that's exactly what we read in this passage. Peter, John come back. They've been in prison overnight. They've been threatened. They've been incredibly bold. I mean, the boldness is beyond words. And they come back. And it must have been wonderful from being in a cold cell. They suddenly among friends. That's the culture we want to establish in every church. But secondly, it says that they returned to friends and they reported. John 15, 15 gave us a bit of a clue of that. Jesus said, the reason I can call you friends is that a servant doesn't know his master's business. You know our business. And this is a key thing in any church, that we share everything. It's so easy for us to become hierarchical where we say, no, this is a, an eldership matter or this is a leadership matter, not for the body, not for the members. We need to be a company of friends where we report what is happening, where we see everyone understanding, everyone knowing what is happening. And I feel that's a key cultural issue that we need to rediscover in every setting one, in every setting we have. Everyone heard, everyone owned, and everyone responded. Because it says shortly thereafter, it says, together they lifted their voices. Let me just find it. So, yep, it says there in verse 24, and when they heard it, so the report had been brought to them, that's number two. Number three, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. That is a key to building a sound and a, and a good community that we carry things together. Once you see this expression the entire ch of the entire church coming together, you realize they're carrying it. They're owning it. They've, they've got it. It's not the leaders crying out to God in a private prayer meeting. No, this is togetherness of another form. It's so easy to slip into the, the mindset, oh, this is an issue for the, the full-time guys. We, we want to go and be strengthened on a Sunday. No, no, no. God's looking for a community who are together in everything. In everything. Most Sundays in my local body, we choose three or four things um, from around the world to report. Sadly, I have to be honest, I cannot report everything because it's just too vast and we wouldn't get around to um, having the other aspects of what we need to do, the word and worship and um, the gifts of the Spirit, etc. But every, every time we gather, we put up one, two, three slides and we say, this is who the people are, this is what's happening, and this is the context, the joy, the hardship, whatever it is. And then in the meeting, together, we call out to God for those situations. And what we're trying to develop is an openness in the church community that everyone can carry what we have. I'd recommend it if you aren't doing it. But knowing Josh, you most probably are. Number four. So we've seen aspects, we've seen their friends, we've seen their, there's openness in reporting everything, we see a togetherness that is just wonderful. And fourthly, we see that there is such a reliance and a leaning into the sovereignty of God. 
the sovereignty of God. So together they raised their voices to God and said, Sovereign Lord. And they remind themselves who made heaven and earth and everything that is in them. They lean into the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God is like their anchor. It's their anchor that holds them in place. They're not swayed by this wave and this opposition, this threat from the Sanhedrin. They're not swayed by those things. They are held by the sovereignty of God. They know God hasn't left them. God hasn't deserted them. He is not aloof and far away. No, the sovereignty of God holds them in place. Their prayers rely on who God is, his very nature. They quote this beautiful Psalm, Psalm 2, um, which speaks so powerfully and graphically of the Messiah as the Son of God and he, how he is destined to rule the whole world. So they, they just grab hold of that anchor. They say, God, we're coming to you and all you have promised and all that you are. The big picture of who God is underpins the very nature of the culture of this community. Even in your early beginnings, as you might feel you're a very small part of what you of what is happening. I want to remind you that you're part of something very, very big, the kingdom of God. Whether we're big, small, influential or finding our way, we are part of the greater purposes of Jesus Christ. And these early believers remind themselves of that. They take scripture, they remind themselves we are under the covering of a sovereign Lord. No matter what we face, no matter the disappointments or the joys, we're holding on to the purposes of God. So once they've done that and they've established it, I just absolutely love their prayer. And the next number five, their prayer is allow us to or empower us to continue to speak. <laughs> just love it. They're under enormous pressure. Their leaders have been in jail. And I would have thought if I was leading the prayer, oh, Lord, remove the Sanhedrin. Oh, Lord, remove the opposition. Oh, Lord, help us with this. No, no, no. Their focus, that is that is God's problem. We, we're leaning into God for that because you were with us in that, Lord. You are in us. Uh, you are in it with us. But, Lord, our prayer is embolden us to continue to speak, continue to speak. Keep us moving forward, Lord. This is the focus of their prayer. Absolutely wonderful. Such an encouragement, such a shaping factor of how we should pray. They pray into their calling, into their calling. Continue to speak. Number six, here is an absolutely beautiful one. So they say, continue to speak. Help your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand and heal and signs and wonders. Just quite unbelievable. They call on God for signs and wonders. Number six. 
why is this so key? I want to say this is one of the key things in building any church because signs and wonders put God on display. They are things that you can point to that are only God. You've got to say, wow, God has to be with you. You couldn't have done this. And signs and wonders allow that to happen. Two and a half years ago, as the pandemic hit us across the nations, I was asked to pick up the leadership of the local church here in Clarence, South Africa, as you know from the interviews, um, on our return to this nation. And I'd received a word and God had already spoken. So it wasn't a difficult uh, decision because I knew God wanted me to do it. He had forewarned me. And that's the wonderful thing about being a prophetic people. But the sad thing is that the church was in a really difficult place. The previous leader, beautiful family, had found it very hard and eventually stepped down. And so the church had not known any great vision, any great togetherness. And sadly, I have to be honest that there was division, there was dissent, there was lots of problems. And so during COVID, we allowed the church to almost die. We looked after our people, we made sure they were getting through things, but we allowed what was to, to really die. And as we came back together and I began to gather the team as things started to open up, I said to the, the leaders that were working with me, I said, the one thing we need at this time are signs and wonders. We need to see the hand of the Lord because that will bring healing to our community faster than anything else. When we see, brothers and sisters, the hand of God at work among us, when we see healing, when we see breakthrough, when we see those things, we know God's with us. That enables us to really push through. And God's done a wonderful work. We only really started October last year. So what's that? Seven months or so that we've been going. We've doubled in size already. We've seen so many wonderful things happen. And I'll tell you a bit more about it. But the reason these early believers, the reason this was in their DNA is they knew that if they were going to impact the city, if they were going to reach Jerusalem, the first stage of the Great Commission, they needed to have God on display and he puts himself on display when there are signs and wonders. You can't argue about that. You can harden your heart against it, which the Sanhedrin did, even though this man had been healed and he's leaping and jumping and he'd been crippled all his life, 40 years, they hardened their hearts not to see it because they knew what was at stake. But when God puts himself on display, that's when you start to see things really happen. May I encourage you to pray that prayer, signs and wonders. You need this whole culture we're speaking about. You need friendship. You need openness. You need all these, these 10 points that I've identified. There might be a few more, but you need them. But the one to pray for is, Lord, give us signs and wonders. Show yourself in our meeting. So that's there. They, they cry. And number seven, we see then that 
they prayed. Prayer is right through this passage and I want to highlight it. There's such a culture of prayer. Number seven, prayer. Such a culture of prayer. And so it needs to be in us. It's so easy just to treat prayer as one of the things we do. So easy. We mustn't just do that. We mustn't just see it as a uh, part of, of church life. We must see it. This is fundamental to us um, taking hold of all God has got for us. And so we want to do that. Let us not grow weary of praying. Introduce it into every meeting, which I'm sure you do. Number eight, another characteristic of this church um, is the room they were in was shaken. The room they were in was shaken. Oh, yes, please, Lord. I tell my team every week that, yes, I want to know how we're doing. I, I want to be able to look back at our gatherings and say, how did it go? How did we do what were the various things happening? But the most important thing, the most important question that we ask is, what did God do in our meeting that we had nothing to do with? In other words, what evidence was there in our meeting that God was at work among us? That's our question. And so we go around the team. We say, what did you see? What did you see? And it's just been wonderful. This last Sunday, I couldn't wait for um, for the meeting a bit later today um, as you watch this. Or oh, sorry, no, we, we're ahead of you. So we would have met already. Um, but I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it because last week God showed up. And suddenly in a community that's not known much of the gifts of the Spirit, there were words of knowledge. There was people being called out. And it was not the leaders, it was various people in the congregation. Suddenly the spirit came on us and we started. So when we uh, met as leaders on Tuesday, we talked about everyone saying, wasn't it wonderful to see what God did? This is what God did. That is what God did. We want to be shaken by the very presence of God. And a good shaking is a good thing for us. Okay, number nine. And then it goes on to say, they were filled. They were filled. And we know that from Paul's writing, uh, in particularly in Galatians, be filled with the Spirit, um, that it means keep on being filled. And we need to make time for that and make sure that we continually, all they achieved in this passage was achieved by the empowering of the Spirit, not by might or power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. And that's what happened to them. That's what happened. They weren't leaning on those things. They were staying simple, but relying on the infilling of the Spirit that empowered them. Jesus said, wait, go and wait. You can't be my witnesses until you have been empowered from on high. You'll only be my witnesses once you have power. And how true it is. How true it is that when we get emboldened by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, how easily it is to share the purposes of God. And then it says, and let me close with this one, number 10, they continued with boldness. They continued with boldness. How wonderful that is. They continued with boldness. Wow. The outcome of this time 
the opposition, the hardship, is that they pushed out, they pushed on, they never held back. So we see these characteristics. They were friends. They were friends first, before anything. They were friends. They, they could dip their hand into the same meal and eat together. They could share the breaking of bread together. They were friends. They reported. They, they were all involved. They were all in the know. They were together. When they heard, they were together. They took ownership of what was being done. And they leaned into the sovereignty of God. Number four, they leaned into it. They held onto it. God, you're the one who rules and reigns. Their prayers were not to take away the opposition, but to continue to speak, to continue in their calling. And then number six, signs and wonders, how we want that. Number seven, they prayed. They prayed. It was such a part of who they are. And then as we saw, which I want in my church, they were shaken. Oh, Lord, shake us, shake us. Get the us out of us. May it all be you, Lord. Wonderful. And they were filled, continue to be filled. And the outcome, they stepped out of that prayer meeting with great boldness and continued to preach Jesus. What a response. What an absolute wonderful response. So on to my last point, and this is actually my conclusion. Action stations. What should our response be? Well, when we started to rebuild Dichlebeng, we were a broken church. Um, I want to be honest with you. We were a broken church. We'd been through a lot. The opposition had been great. We'd had um, failure. We had many difficulties. And so we really wanted to see signs and wonders come in. And that meant that we had to step out in faith. We had to take faith steps. And that's what I want to call on you in this third point, action stations. Act, do something. Take steps of faith. In Dichlebeng, and I think this came through in the interview, um, we've not seen anyone saved for uh, a number of years. It's been a long time. It's been a long, dry, barren season. That's how I like to describe it. And so as we came together, I thought, Lord, we've got to have more of you in our meetings. We've got to see you in our meetings. Put yourself on display. And as I prayed, my prayer was, Lord, would you save the lost in our midst again? Would you once again entrust new believers to us? Would you bring them in? Would you allow us to see salvation? And so I took it to our team and before I took it to them, I, I thought personally, what, what have you got faith for? How can you exercise faith in this? And so I said to the team, how do you feel? Because I've been praying about it, so I'm slightly ahead. If we trust God for 100 to be saved, baptized and added to Dichlebeng during 2022. There was silence around the table. <laughs> because we've not seen anyone saved for years, 100. And eventually said, okay, Steve, if you feel God leading, let's trust God. And so we took a big step of faith. I think you would have seen it. We, we 
painted a wall in the building and called it our wall of salvation. In fact, I'm going to slot a picture in as it stands at the moment. And our wall of salvation was put right before the church. We explained to the church what we were believing God for. We shared in it together. We prayed together and we set our course. And that was in March. We saw three young ladies saved two weeks later or so. Absolutely wonderful. Followed by another one or two. Then there were 11 or 9, I can't remember all the details. And it's just been a wave that is going through the church. And brothers and sisters, when we look at the culture of this early church, it was one that they had created to allow God to function through them, knowing it would be costly, knowing it would be hard. But they trusted God for signs and wonders and breakthrough. And they acted. They took steps of faith. I'm thrilled to tell you that we have now seen some 46 people saved. Last Sunday, um, as we gathered, it was cold. It was raining. It was snowing on the Maluti Mountains above us here. And most of our people walk to church. We only have a, a, a small number who have transport. And I knew straight away, I thought, oh, we're not going to have a very big crowd today. It was bitterly cold. When I got to church, I was surprised to see how many people there were. But it wasn't our, our normal congregation. And we had a great time, a great week preaching through the book of Acts. And um, Jordan from Biggin Hill, who's with me here, Jordan and Rebecca Brown. Jordan preached um, out of Acts um, uh, 2, uh, sorry, Acts 1, where, where they, they gather in the room. They're waiting. So the preparation for the Spirit to come. So this week we're preaching on the baptism of the Spirit. And um, he preached. And in the room... We knew everybody. It was all our faithful people who pushed through the cold to come. And at the end of it, as he's coming to a close his message, I was waiting, thinking, come on, gospel message, gospel, gospel. And he finished off and he said, these people were waiting for the coming of the Spirit because they had a message. What was their message? And then he preached a short gospel message to all of us in the room. And I thought, ah, oh, okay. Today is not a day we're going to see much salvation, but there was one visitor from Zimbabwe, which is north of us, north of South Africa, a young man in his late teens. And he came and he was sitting with a friend. And I got up to close the meeting. I said, before we go, Jordan has just, just explained the message that they were carrying in their hearts of a crucified Christ, a risen Christ, an exalted Christ, a saving Christ. Is there anybody here? And up went this young man's hand, just like that, put his hand up and said, me, everybody. He wasn't shy. He said, me, please. I want to know Jesus. And we led him to the Lord. So even on our coldest, wettest day, God is blessing us. Take steps of faith. Maybe it's for salvation. Maybe it's for healing. Maybe it's for growth. Maybe it's for growth. Maybe it's for kingdom projects. Maybe it's for breakthrough in people's lives. Take steps of faith. I trust that, <clears throat> like us here 
in Dichlebain Church in the mountains, you will seek a, a culture that we see in Acts chapter 4. I hope this has been helpful. I'd love to now just close in prayer. I'd love to give you all a big hug and um, extend our love. But we will pray for you uh, Sunday as we gather and as you're about to gather. God bless you. And um, won't you receive this prayer right now? Why don't you just lift your hands at this moment? Yeah, Father. Father God, Lord, you never, ever wanted us to do church alone. You never, ever wanted us just to work through some formal liturgy and not expect you to be in our midst. We want to see you on display, Lord. We want to step back, as it were, and say, Lord, would you take center spot in our gathering? Lord, would you empower us and would you come and put yourself on display in Freedom Church? I pray for it for my own community, but I pray for Freedom Church. Would you put yourself on display? I pray from today, from this moment on, uh, through the week, next week and in the months, that they will begin to see situations where they know your hand is with them. You've extended your hand of power, your hand of healing, your hand of salvation in their midst? Would you show yourself strong in their midst? Would you open their hearts and their eyes to your work from today? I pray a fresh anointing upon them all that they would know some of these characteristics. They would know a beautiful culture that would allow you to function in all your power, in all your purpose. To you be the glory, Lord. For you be all these things. We thank you for salvations. We thank you for breakthrough. Now come, Lord, and empower us and let us speak your word with great boldness, I pray. God bless you. God keep you. Amen. Hope to be with you soon. Hope this has been helpful. Bye-bye for now.